Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. The Ultimate College Football Preview 2022. Presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Is Cam Rising the best quarterback in the Pac-12? I do believe he is. I think USC's back. You know they still have DTR. He's been there 70 years. Welcome to the College Football Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. This seven-episode series will take you through all of the Power Five conferences, the national championship conversation, and the players you need to know across the Heisman and NFL draft landscape. Each episode will feature our locked-on local experts who cover each of the biggest teams around college football every single Monday through Friday. We'll also be joined by betting expert Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets to help you set the edge and rake in the cash this college football season. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, daily host of the Locked On Auburn podcast, but for this series, I will be your guide as we visit with over 30 different experts to get you ready for the season ahead. Today, it's the Pac-12. The USC Trojans were the last Pac-12 team to win a national championship in 2004, which was vacated in 2010. Now, Lincoln Riley and the Trojans are building a national championship contender. That is, unless the rest of the conference has anything to say about it. Let's get to the conference favorites, the USC Trojans, the Oregon Ducks, and the Utah Utes. Conference favorites. USC seeks to reignite its glory days atop the college football landscape, looking beyond the Pac-12 with national championship aspirations. But Oregon, with new starting quarterback Bo Nix, and Utah with their highest ever preseason AP poll ranking, won't be forgotten. Mark Culkin of Locked On USC, Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Oregon Ducks, and JT Wistrasil of Locked On Utes brings you everything you need to know about USC, Oregon, and Utah every Monday through Friday. Mark, let's start with USC. Why should the Trojans have national championship aspirations? Uh, realistically, they shouldn't. Okay. However, um, when you come to play for USC, that is the goal. I mean, USC is, they're, they're a blue blood program. They have the 11 national champions, the seven Heisman trophies, the 24, 5, 6, 7 Rose Bowl wins. That's the bar that you set at USC. Um, to, and when Lincoln Riley came over, it's not, you know, we're not here to play for Pac-12 championships. We're here to play for national championships. So that's why will happen in year one. Let's find out. Sure, sure. And then looking elsewhere in the Pac-12, I mean, Utah, like we just said, highest ever preseason AP ranking, JT. What are reasonable expectations for the Utah Utes? I think the college football playoff, I think this is genuinely a team that they you can talk yourselves into every single game as a winnable game. I think they, they're going to go back and repeat as Pac-12 champions and then as a one loss or potentially even an undefeated 
Pac-12 team, do you get into the college football playoff then? I think that's very possible, even if it is tough to get to that point. But this is a team that returns 17 starters. you got Cam Rising coming back, who's one of the guys coming off a monster season as the first team all Pac-12. And you get a ton of other experienced players who are trying to build off, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And I think there's a ton of guys on defense who showed flashes last year that are going to break out on the national stage this coming year. So this is a Utah team that – the expectations, as you mentioned, it's the highest preseason ranking ever. And I really think this team can live up to that. Spencer McLaughlin, host of Locked On Oregon Ducks. Does Oregon have these expectations that these other two teams do? Not exactly. No, I, at least I, I don't believe that, that they should. The, the bar for a successful season uh, for the Ducks this year, at the very least, uh, when you have a first-year head coach, I think he's getting back to the Pac-12 championship game. And I think they're conference schedule allows for that their out of conference schedule is brutal i mean it's very possible that oregon gets to the pac-12 championship game but they've got three losses in, in the regular season slate because you're not going to go undefeated in, in conference play i don't think this team has uh, that sort of chops i think they're going to lose to uh, the utes at the very least they could drop another one but you look at georgia and, and byu neither of those games are ones that that duck fans can really afford to overlook georgia obviously the more pressing threat BYU at home but I think the Cougars are a very dangerous team and uh, look I expect Oregon to be good they should be well over 500 they should be competing for uh, a Pac-12 North title which doesn't matter as much anymore but you know it, their schedule shapes out once they get into Pac-12 play to where they should be able to get into the the conference championship in uh, Las Vegas once again and Oregon fans are hoping that Dan Lanning and the new staff are going to be able to put a better product on the field uh, if and hopefully when they they reach that game. Mark Holkin, host of Locked On USC. If USC is to win the Pac-12 this year, why is it their uh, why is it their year? What did they do to accomplish that? Besides changing the roster, they changed the personality, and that that's going to be the biggest difference this year. You know, I, I I've listened to other hosts um, do breakdowns. And talk about you know where USC will win games, where they'll lose games. Sure, I, I don't think the enough consideration was taken into into enough consideration was taken into factor that Clay Helton was fired after Stanford. Once Clay Helton was released from his job, that team quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're giving up forty points a game at home, regardless of how bad your defense is. It's not because you didn't have the players per se. You weren't putting forth the effort. Um, So that's going to be the biggest difference. USC, they're not as talented as they will be in the future with their recruiting classes, but they did bring in some really talented players during the offseason. Caleb Williams will be at quarterback. You've got the reigning Bolitnikoff winner who's going to be challenging for a Heisman. Uh, They brought in some pretty good defensive players. Uh, you brought in Eric Gentry, who was a freshman All-American linebacker at ASU. Right. If USC can maintain their health, because they don't have a lot of depth on defense, this team can go far because we all know that Lincoln O'Reilly is going to make the offense work. It worked last year. It's going to work even better this year. That's what the Pac-12 has to deal with. Sure, sure. JT Wistersill, host of Locked on Utes, same question. If the Utes win the Pac-12 championship, How did it happen? I think Cam Rising has a phenomenal season. I think this offense, I think Tavion Thomas is a guy who had 21 touchdowns last year. He probably broke that 
rushing touchdown record. Once again, you got an offensive line full of experienced guys. I think they get it done as well, but I really think it's, it is Cam Rising, the quarterback. I just think he is in for a big year. The w- wide receiver position figures to be even better this year. All, all, all of fall camp, Coach Witt has been talking about how they want to be more explosive. And Devon Vele, I think, is the guy who's really going to be a breakout player and have the best season we've seen out of a Utah wide receiver, because we know Utah has the tight ends, but a wide receiver we've seen in a long time. So the weapons are there for Cam. It's his another, second year starting after he started most of the games last season. I think he's in for a huge year. He should be first team all Pac-12 again. And he is one of the best leaders Coach Whittingham has said he's ever had. And when you've been as coaching as long as Coach Whittingham has, that's a huge compliment. So I really feel like he can lead this team to a monster season and the new heights they haven't been yet. Spencer, same question for the team that you cover, the Oregon Ducks. If they pull this off, and exceed expectations, as you alluded to earlier in this conversation, what did they pull off? What did they do right? Uh, they, they maximize the potential of, of your boy, Bo Nix. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's, what, uh, that, that's what it would look like if Oregon has a better season than I think they can have. If they win uh, you know, 10 or 11 games before you know, they get to a, a bowl game and whatnot, including a, a potential Pac-12 championship game, I think what they've done is found a way to make Bo Nix comfortable, where he is using his legs to extend plays and you know pick up first downs when he needs to, but he's you know not breaking out of the pocket all the time. He's not throwing bad interceptions. He's taking care of the ball. He's being productive. I, I think that's uh, a big part of it, but arguably a bigger part of it. And a lot of people would be surprised to hear this when you had two first-team All-American performers last year in Kayvon Thibodeau and Verone McKinley. Oregon's defense was not very good last year. They, go, go look at the numbers compared to the other teams in the Pac-12. They were not very good. They could knock it off the field on third down. They're one of the worst in the country at doing that. Conversely, their offense was very good at converting third downs, which will probably take a step back. But that defense has got to be able to take a leap forward, which is tough when you lose uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. But I, I think that schematically in the defensive side of the ball, they were behind last year and they were just not where they, they needed to be too many guys uh, running open on on third downs too many soft coverage instances in which you just kind of gave them an easy completion it was very much a, a bend don't break mentality but you just allow teams to move down the field too often if you aren't unbelievable in the red zone then eventually you're going to allow some points so I, I think that's the other component of it is Dan Lanning, I, I hope he comes in and is calling defensive plays like he did at Georgia. He's got Tosh Lupoi, who's been on Alabama staffs before. I think those two have got to be able to raise the, the schematic capabilities of the defense so that they're not getting torched through the air like they were a season ago. So we've mentioned the three quarterbacks of the schools that you guys covered. I mean, obviously, Caleb Williams, Cam Rising, Bo Nix. I want to hear y'all's thoughts on who do you think the best quarterback in the Pac-12 is right now going into the season? Can I go first? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think you have to give it to the incumbent, which is Cam Rising. Um, he he showed what he's capable of doing. He finally found a, a school that's willing to let him play or at least earn a place of play. Um, I don't think Bo Nix is the answer. Uh, I, and I'm sorry, Spencer. It's all right. Uh, there, there's think, plenty of Oregon fans who agree with you, Mark. Don't worry. And I'm sure Zach will agree with me as well. Yes, um, yes. For those who don't know, I host Locked on Auburn and covered Bo Nix for a long time. I understand. And, and I and I don't say that to throw you know throw dirt on Oregon's grave, but you do have you did recruit a couple of good quarterbacks in, in you know previous recruiting classes. So that that leads me to wonder maybe those guys weren't as good or weren't developed yet that you're going to be leaning on a, on a Bo Nix. Uh, obviously. Obviously, my second choice is going to be Caleb Williams. Um, 
even if Caleb does go down with an injury, heaven forbid, sure. USC still has Miller Moss backing him up. Miller Moss was the quarterback who got to start the Cal game last year. And he looked pretty good in his limited opportunities. And he now actually has a really good head coach who knows something about quarterbacks. Um, Graham Harrell isn't even going to be calling plays over at West Virginia for anybody who's watching the show. Just to give you an idea, that's how bad it was at USC last year. And they also have a running game to complement their quarterback, which is another thing that I didn't even mention in the previous question. Right, right. Uh, JT, I feel like I know where you're going with this, but I'm going to ask anyway. Is Cam Rising the best quarterback in the Pac-12 right now? I do believe he is, and I did, I'm i surprised we agree on that, Mark, because I am I do really like Caleb Williams. I think he's really good. For me, the difference between the two is Cam is more consistent. I feel like Caleb makes a couple of those mistakes, and Caleb can make throws that I just don't think Cam Rising can make. But for an entire game, Caleb will throw an interception or just make a mistake that will really hurt you versus Cam will take what's there. And I think one big thing, one of the reasons that I think Cam is in for a huge year is if you look back in 2020 during that COVID-shortened season, there was a quarterback battle between him and Jake Bentley transferred over from South Carolina. Rising won that battle but then got hurt with a shoulder injury in the first game. And he talked about it going in the last season and even during the season, it still lingered a little bit. So he feels like coming into this season, his arm is even stronger. And that was probably the biggest thing last year. Mentioned the lack of explosive plays. Cam didn't have the arm strength to push the ball down the field. That's going to be there this season. He's got the wide receivers to do it. He's also a guy who, if everyone's covered, he's willing to take it and run it. He's extremely tough in between the tackles. He's willing to go and fight and get those extra yards. And he knows how to use his guys very accurate ball placement i do think cam is the best quarterback in this conference but caleb williams i think is in for a good year as well and i still like bonex i do think he is definitely the third guy in this conversation or maybe even farther back depending on how we feel about guys like dtr at ucla and some of the other quarterbacks in the conference but this is cam rising rising's conference in terms of i feel he is the best quarterback and that comes with experience that's why i gave him the nod yeah, no, he, he definitely has that for sure. Spencer, uh, chime in on this. Do, do you agree with these guys? Can't believe nobody picked Jack Plummer at Cal. Can't, can't believe it. Um, I, uh, I, I have Williams 1 and, and Rising 2, and the reason I have that is a little bit of an anticipatory pick in that what you were just saying, Mark, is experience is tremendously valuable, especially for quarterbacks, and that I, I think is 100% accurate. Caleb Williams now has most of a season under his belt. And, and I think what you're going to see now that he's with Lincoln Riley again, and he's got even, you know, at the very least comparable, probably better weapons at USC than he had a season ago. I think you're going to see him take a step forward, right? We saw the potential uh, of what he can be last year, and he's got a lot of talk, and rightfully so, as a top 5'10 pick in the NFL draft come 2024 and such. But I think now that he's, you know, got some got some games under his belt and he's had an offseason to to work and study and uh, be with the same coach and he's going to have new receivers. But, you know, one of them's not in Mario Williams. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Caleb Williams will be number one. And I think rising is uh, right behind him at number two. I think Caleb Williams has is further away from his ceiling right now it is, I think, a fair way of looking at it. I think we know what Cam Rising is, which is a very good first team Pac-12 caliber quarterback. But I think Caleb Williams still has a bit of untapped potential. I think we get to see a little bit more of that this year. Uh, and to build off something you said, JT, I definitely have DTR at, at number three. So I, I want to wrap up uh, the conversation with you three, talking about the biggest games that are in the Pac-12 
this year. JT, uh, host of Locked on Utes, I'll start with you for this one. What are some of the biggest games on Utah's schedule where you kind of circle going into the season where it's like, okay, if Utah's going to win the Pac-12, they probably need to win these games. I think it's the USC game is the biggest one personally because I've talked to the Oregon one is also massive. That's one I look at from a perspective of maybe this team, that's a game they could potentially lose. You're going up to Eugene, an extremely tough place to play. But I think the USC game, you're getting USC at home, Lincoln Riley, all the hype that comes in with that. Mark's already talked about the firepower that roster has with, I think even two guys, as you mentioned, Mark, who could possibly be in that conversation for some of the major awards, including the Heisman. So that's the biggest one to me is you got to win that between the two teams right now who I think in terms of hype have the most right now, even though Oregon was ranked higher. I just feel like Utah, since they are the highest ranked team, and then USC, the glitz and glamour of LA makes that game probably going to be the most viewed in the conference, in my opinion, when those two teams match up. But I think the Oregon one is another big one. But I think as long as Utah takes care of business against the other Pac-12 teams, that's one you're okay losing if that's your one loss on the season. But let's say if you have the bad game like you did last year where you lost to Oregon State, then that is a must win as well. And that's a tough place to play. Utah hasn't won up in Eugene a lot, and I think it's going to be fun. But those are the two games I really look at. Look, UCLA is still going to be a really good team this year. Utah has really had their number in the past. So I don't think that that's going to pose as much of a problem. But in terms of Pac-12 opponents, USC and Oregon, I think, are by far the two that really present a problem for the reigning Pac-12 champion Utes. Mark Colkin, host of Locked On USC. Biggest games on USC's schedule. Which ones do you have circled going into the year? I'll get to the end of the schedule here in a moment. Um, for, for me, for me, it's definitely going to be Fresno State. That is my trap game. Interesting. Um, they, uh, well, because that game happens immediately after USC travels to Stanford. Uh, if USC is going to be a physical team this year, you're going to find out about it in week two up, up on the farm in Palo Alto. If and when USC returns 2-0, this is, you've got a Fresno State team that, this is the, what I call your, the epitome of the chip on the shoulder team. This is every player on their roster wanted to play at USC, wanted to play at UCLA, or play at a Power 5 team. So they get to come into the Coliseum, as uh, you know, they, they have a, an experienced returning quarterback, uh, they beat a couple of schools. Well, they beat UCLA last year. They should have beaten Oregon last year up at Oregon. I watched that game. Um, Oregon was very fortunate to pull that one out. You'll agree with that, Spencer, uh, if you're yep. being honest. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so if USC doesn't have their 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 chin strap strapped up, Fresno will punch them in the mouth. You're going to have the red wave traveling down from Fresno. They'll fill the stadium if USC fans aren't there. So those two games, obviously the Utah game. Um, for me, it's interesting. I want to see how Utah leaves leaves the swamp. Because how much credit are they going to get being the seventh-ranked team going down there, beating an unranked Florida team? Conversely, if they lose, how far do they tumble? And does that you know affect the USC-Utah game in week six? And then you've got the, uh, obviously, UCLA and Notre Dame to finish the two finish the season so those are the games that are that are circled on my calendar no those are some good ones those are some good ones for sure spencer same question which games do you have circled for the oregon ducks going into the season well if you're just looking at the pac-12 slate because uh, obviously georgia is 
a tremendous opportunity on the national scale, but I don't expect them to win that game. BYU is going to be, I think, a lot tougher than most Oregon fans realize. And I, I've talked about that game uh, on on my channel. You can go check it out because I, I think we should be rightfully scared of the Cougars and everyone who plays in the Pac-12, including uh, these two guys here, know that we should be scared of the Cougars after what happened the last year. But I think when you get in the conference slate, Oregon's biggest games are, are at home. And that's a place where they've been Really, really tough to beat. Now, Utah did pull it off. Uh, Vernon Adams getting hurt certainly didn't help, but I think Utah was just schematically better in that game in 2015 anyway. So they've won in Autzen Stadium before. I think Utah is going uh, at Autzen this year. But the other game is uh, is UCLA. That's the other home game that Oregon has, which is why I look at their conference schedule and I say that's more favorable. And, you know, I think if you had a tougher schedule – year one with a new coach, I, I might be predicting them to go eight and four with nine and three kind of as the ceiling, but I think nine and three is kind of the expectation and 10 and two is possible just because of how their road games play out. And, and the toughest road game on their schedule, arguably, is either Washington State or Oregon State. And one of those teams could certainly beat Oregon. They have come close in previous years. I'd look at the Beavs because I, I like the Cougs, but I think they're earlier in the season and that helps Oregon a little bit because they're incorporating a, a new quarterback in Cam Ward who's coming from the FCS level. So he might still be, you know, kind of adapting to the, the different level of play. I think he can, but it's it, it's certainly a, a jump. But I look at that game against Oregon State and I like the Beavs this year, which you won't hear from maybe a lot of Duck fans out there. But I, I think the Beavs, if their defense cannot be just an incompetent mess, you know, it, it's a lot like uh, USC last year. I mean, the Trojans didn't struggle to score points. The Beavers didn't struggle to score points. Oregon State was 7-5, and five, and they weren't 9-3 and three because they lost to Cal and Colorado. And I look at that and go, boy, if your defense can be a little bit sharper there, then you have the potential to, to be an 8-9 win team. And, you know, even though Research Stadium won't be at full capacity because of the renovation, I still worry about going to Corvallis at the end of the year if Oregon State is playing the kind of football I think they can. Locked on USC, Locked on Ducks, and Locked on Newts are available every Monday through Friday wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We'll be seeing some of you later in the series, but here in a moment, while USC has championship hopes, the crosstown rival, the UCLA Bruins, would love nothing more than to play spoiler. The Pac-12 teams you shouldn't be sleeping on are up next. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. USC may be getting most of the national attention when looking at the Pac-12, but crosstown rival UCLA, as well as Arizona and Arizona State, have something to say about that. Richie Bradshaw of Locked On Sun Devils, Mike Luke of Locked On Wildcats, and Zach Anderson Yoxheimer of Locked On UCLA join me. Zach, as the UCLA guy, what do you make of all this hoopla happening with those other guys in L.A.? You know, funny enough, a lot of the hoopla is con 
bringing both teams together with the big move eventually to the Big Ten. So a lot of the hoopla is together. But, of course, what you're referring to is the Lincoln Rileys and, you know, the Caleb Williams, all the guys coming over to USC. And for UCLA, they have an older roster. Chip Kelly, who's very focused on his team. So for the Bruins, they're focused business as usual, get to the Rose Bowl, and try and have themselves a successful season, nothing short of the Rose Bowl. Sure. Mike Luke, host of Locked On Wildcats. When looking at Arizona football's outlook in 2022, what are some reasonable expectations here? Well, there's nowhere to go but up. When you've only won one of your last 20 games, I mean, we, we have low expectations around here, but I do look at it, and I think if you were on going on the um, – uh, if you were going to be looking around – I love the over of three wins for Arizona. I think that they're good for that three or four wins. And uh, it all starts, obviously, with you got a new quarterback, you got a top 25 offense or a top 25 recruiting class that's in play. Arizona has never had that. You pulled multiple decommitments from USC, you pulled multiple, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in the country. Arizona had an infl- uh, influx of talent, and there should be significantly more talent on the field this year. Richie Bradshaw, host of Locked On Sun Devils. You kind of being on the other side of that Arizona rivalry. The big question, I think, uh, for the Sun Devils is, are they going to have the, the same coach? Does it even matter what they do? It is it is a very complex, very fluid situation. There There's so many var- variables that are involved with whether or not Herm Edwards is going to be here in 2023. You get absolutely decimated by the transfer portal. 17 guys enter, 16 guys depart. You've got a brand new quarterback, a brand new offense, a brand new defense, new new coordinators on both sides of the ball. There, There's a lot playing against Herm Edwards going into this year. And it, it feels like it's a ride-or-die situation for him. He's got to find a way to actually meet the expectations that he has been given because last year we were supposed to compete for the Pac-12 and you ended up in, I believe, fifth place overall. It's just that has to change. You cannot continue to be subpar if you want to last in college football, regardless of if you're at Alabama or if you're at Arizona State. So something's got to budge here or Herm Edwards is firmly on the hot seat. He may not be in 2023 if he can't find a way to actually live up to his expectations. So if 2022 is the year for Arizona State, let's say they make a push, maybe they're top three or four in the Pac-12, exceed expectations. Richie, what has to happen? You got to hope that the transfers you brought in are able to step up to the plate. You have a brand new secondary, but you brought in some very exciting pieces. Corey Bethley from Hawaii is somebody who is a turnover machine. He flies all over the field. You got to hope that he can replace what you had with Jack Jones and Chase Lucas. You lose Jermaine Lowley on the defensive line. Uh, you just lost Michael Matus to an ACL tear. You're hoping that some of the other depth can step up. Trevez Moore can stay healthy and be a presence on the D line. And then offensively, you've got a brand new cast of uh, pass catchers. Essentially, you're hoping that you can find some kind of consistency with those guys. Can't, uh, Cam Johnson from Vanderbilt is someone I'm very, very excited for to potentially be the number one receiver there. And you're hoping that your run game can find a way to stay as good as it was last year. The good news is you lose Jaden Daniels, but you bring in Emory Jones. So I don't see a reason why the run game can't continue to be the biggest strength for Arizona State. 
Similar question to you, Zach Anderson Yoxheimer, host of Locked On UCLA. If it's UCLA's year in 2022, what happens? Well, for UCLA, big thing is they got the new defensive coordinator. Can they get the defense right? They can score points. They can run. And wow, that you know they still have DTR. He's been there 70 years. And they got <laughs> the likes of Zach Charbonnet. They lose that kind of 1B with Britton Brown as a running back. You bring in a nice weapon with Jake Bobo while losing the likes of Kyle Phillips. You lose Greg Dolchich. So can they finally get the production to miss, to fix those holes on the receiving court? But the big answer is, can they get the stops defensively? They have three big games in 2022. They only need to win two of them for it to be a successful year. And then same question to you, Mike Luke, host of Locked on Wildcats. If Arizona exceeds expectations, which as you mentioned, those expectations are low, but let's say they find a way to win four, five, six games, maybe appear in a bowl game, what has to happen? Well, I think at that point, then you start looking at wondering what year three brings, because there's actually, it's joking aside, there's a lot of talent that has been, uh, that's that's actually been accumulated in the last year here. I mean, you arguably have the most talented receiving core in the conference outside of SC. So okay. if, you, if you can get into that, um, if you can get in that four or five win realm, then all of a sudden you can start looking at seven or eight wins the following season. And again, we're don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because we don't even know if Chet Fish can coach yet, but so far so good. But if you get those four or five wins, I think then you're looking at a year three is maybe being that springboard for arrival. The transfer portal this off season has really just dramatically impacted Almost every college football team, um, doesn't matter what conference you are, doesn't matter how elite of a team you are or, or, or whatever, maybe it's impacted everyone. Uh, Richie, it's impacted Arizona State a ton. How, how do you kind of expect that roster to look going into the season? Uh, completely different. Compared to what you saw in 2021, this feels like a brand new roster. Uh, you lost some guys to the NFL, but oh my goodness, the like I mentioned, 16 guys depart your program from the transfer portal. It's truly a brand new team. You're, you can probably count on one hand how many guys that are from the starting 11 on offense and defense are back with the team this year. It is, it is an entirely new team, and... You're really hoping that because you, you did bring in some transfers as well. You're hoping that they can find a way to step into the lineup a lot sooner rather than later because you lost tons of starters. You lost depth. You lost guys who were expected to go into starting roles. It's it's truly a brand new team, which in, in one sense can be exciting, but in a much larger sense is very nerve wracking and makes me extremely cautious about what the expectations are for the Sun Devils this year. Zach, when looking at what Chip Kelly did this offseason in regards to the transfer portal, how would you kind of grade his performance? Well, it's funny. He made that quote about how he almost has stopped recruiting high school players, and he looks to the transfer portal. So he's had this hodgepodge of mixing older guys, and with UCLA, it's still hard to get guys in there. Let's not forget it's the academic standards getting into the UCLA, pretty tough. So you bring in older guys who have already graduated, have D1 experience, and maybe some good D1 experience. It's a home run hit when you get Jake Bobo in the program, a nice little steal defensively like the Azizi Hearn, the Wyoming transfer, and there's still more guys I'm missing here and there. But it's nice to see Chip Kelly give some funny little quotes throughout the offseason, 
and especially into his recruiting, he wants yeah. older guys who have graduated that can impact the roster right now. Zach, I love that subtle flex. Yeah, we get it. You're smart. You went to UCLA. We're all very proud of you. Mike Luke, host of Locked On Wildcats. How's the transfer portal impacted this roster? Uh, the two be- the two most important players on the team should be transfers. Um, we talked about it a little bit before we came on, but Jaden Delora, Pac-12 freshman of the year, uh, leaves Washington State, comes to Arizona. And the best player on the team so far in camp has been a guy, Jacob Cowing, caught for almost 1,400 yards, seven or eight touchdowns last year at UTEP. Arizona really needs them to be really good. And especially for Cowing, you need Cowing to be one of the better play- one of the better receivers in the conference. But so far, so good. And there's no reason to believe that both these guys won't excel this season. Richie, if things just go totally off the rails for Arizona State and, and they underachieve and, and it just gets bad early and often for the Sun Devils, what do you think it is that went wrong? It would have to be the fact that you were unable to replace the main guys that left the pro- program. I mean, you lose Jaden Daniels. He was a three-year starting quarterback, first ever true freshman to start for you, that's a huge loss. You lose your top two receivers with Ricky Pearsall, LV Bunkley-Shelton. You lose one of your running backs in Chip Traynham. You look at the defense. You lose Jermaine Lole, Eric Gentry. These are guys who I believe were the top two players for Arizona State heading into 2022 prior to their transfers. The secondary is decimated from guys running out of eligibility and a couple guys transferring as well. So, If things fall off the rails, and I hate to be a doomsday kind of guy, but this is a very realistic possibility that we need to realize is it it is so many new faces, and it is going to be so difficult for them to mesh like that, like immediately is it's an unfair expectation, but you know, it's not impossible, but if things go off the rails, like you said, it's because these guys just are unable to build any chemistry with each other and they just can't find a way to make things work with all the losses that they're suffering. Zach, if things trend down quickly for UCLA, is it is it about the defense, you think? I would think it's about the defense, but the other thing is Dorian Thompson-Robinson has a big tendency to get hurt. So while UCLA's dealt with it in the past, it's likely he will be banged up and miss a game. That's just kind of the the thing you're working with. So while the defense could be struggling, if you're without your starting quarterback at some point that it's really tended to be throughout his lengthy UCLA career, it's probably a combo of either him being injured or the defense, even with some new improved parts, a new schematic. It's probably a combo of those two things where the season goes downhill for them. Sure. Mike, if Arizona does not get, you know, to those three games and, and they underachieve, um, what happened? What went wrong? Um, the talent just didn't come around. It was too young, and okay. we'll have a lot of we'll have a lot of questions if Jed Fish can coach or not. Um, because again, he's never been a head coach. Um, last year they were one in uh, one in eleven, so it's hard to really tell from that. But if they only get two wins, then you got to start making some of those uh, questions be be heard. But you know, right now he's playing with house money until the games start. Mike, when you look at all of the games on Arizona's schedule this year. Which three are you kind of circling going into the 2022 season? Which ones are the most important for the Wildcats? All right. The first one, San Diego State. That's the first game of the year. Um, they got trounced by them last year. Six and a half point dogs. If they go in there and they beat San Diego State or they, they're they competitive, then it can really, I think, push them forward. If they lose that 
game in bad fashion, then there could be basically just me at the next U of A home game. Um, after that, uh, you start the conference play. I'm going to go with Colorado and Cal. I know it's kind of a kind of a because um, we'll get to ASU in just a second, but they got to win those two games. Those are winnable games right there. And then at the end of the year, ASU, um, I follow them really closely. Certainly not the expert like Richie is, but that's a team that is vulnerable. And it's time Arizona needs to be able to win that game. Sure. Zach, we're looking at you know the top two, three, or four most important games for UCLA in 2022. What are they? I have an easy answer. It's pretty simple. You look at the UCLA schedule. It's easy except for three games. Utah at home, SC at home, and at Oregon. Those three games will define the season. If you go two and one, you could be thinking maybe a Rose Bowl appearance if you do well in a Pac-12 title game. You go one and two or 0 oh and three, everybody may already be on the hate train of Chip Kelly. That extension might not mean anything going forward after this year. Trying to play towards a Big Ten, you got to win those big games when you only have so few of them this year. Yeah, well said. Well said and, and simply stated there. Richie Bradshaw, host of Locked On Sun Devils. Top two, three, four games or so for the Sun Devils in 2022. What are they? It starts with U of A. I mean, it, it it's regardless of whether or not U of A is good or whether or not ASU is good. It's just that that is the most important game of the year every single time. It's the most storied rivalry in college football dating back to the late 1800s. We have the longest standing uh, rivalry like cup in the territorial cup. It's been around forever and ever and ever. It, it starts there. Like I said, regardless of whether or not either of these teams are good starts there. You really hope that you can find a way to find an upset. You have to go to USC. That's going to be tough. UCLA comes to, comes to Tempe. That's going to be tough. Utah comes to Tempe. That's going to be tough. And you got to go to Stillwater to play Oklahoma state. If you can find a way of those, of those, Four big games I just mentioned. If you can go two and two, that's massive. And if you can beat U of A, I mean, we we might call that a quote-unquote successful season down here in Tempe with how low the expectations certainly are right now. Locked on UCLA, Locked on Wildcats, and Locked on Sun Devils are available wherever you get your podcasts every day, Monday through Friday. Also available on YouTube. What are the best sports gambling plays when looking? At the Pac-12, we are setting the edge next with Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets. Setting the edge with Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all the betting advice you need every single weekday. Hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling, they've got you covered across all major sports. Today, the focus is all on the Pac-12. And Lee Sterling is joining me. You can find him on Twitter at Paramount Sports. Let's uh, let's start with the big dogs here. The the talk of college football throughout the offseason, it seemed like everybody was looking at L.A. with USC. They are favored uh, to win the Pac-12 this season, plus 190. Is that the right move? I think so. And they had that game, obviously, in the middle of the year at Utah. And it might decide, you know, who's the strongest team on that side. But other than that, at Stanford, Stanford has absolutely no speed. Used to look at Stanford and say, oh, okay, well, they, you know, really good line play, good running backs, good tight ends, but they've got nothing. That doesn't scare me. Oregon State, (laughs) they just don't get the talent. 
Right. Uh, at Arizona is not going to scare you. And then UCLA late in the year, um, I, you know, I, they're, the new coaching staff is going to do a really good job. And they got three – when I'm looking at teams, how can a team improve? I'm looking at scoring points on offense. And they have three playmakers. They bring in Williams. Mm-hmm. He's going to be great at quarterback. Travis Dye, going to be really good. And then Addison from Pittsburgh might be one of the top three receivers. So um, they're going to put pressure on defenses. I like him at plus 190 here. Uh, I, I think that uh, there's going to be a rebirth uh, for the Trojans. Yeah, their win total right now, though, is, is pretty lofty. Nine and a half. You, you buying that? I am. I think okay. I think there's the haves and the have-nots there. I think it's, you know, there's a couple teams up at the top, and I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of crazy upsets here uh, like we've seen in the past. I just think that, you know, teams like Oregon State not getting the talent, Washington State, you know, they lost a bunch of guys. I mean, who wants to go to school at the Palouse? <laughs> um, <laughs> Arizona State is really bad. I mean – they're awful. I, 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 I think that, that as far as recruiting, Arizona beat out Arizona State. You looked and then, you know, Cal and Stanford. It's 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 the haves and the have nots. And uh I just think that 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 USC is before they leave is gonna dominate. Yeah, I mean nine and a half. That's um that's a that's definitely a high number. The the next team, Lee, is is probably one of my favorites in the entire country. This season, Utah at plus two thirty. I think uh, I think this will probably be my bet to win the the Pac twelve. What do you think? So when I look at Utah and I love to play them as an underdog, Kyle Whittingham, one of the great underdog coaches. Okay, but here's what I found out: when they played Oregon, Mario Cristobal, even the first time, he knew he was coming to Miami. He was involved in negotiations with Miami, and I think he checked out. Mm-hmm. So I think they got to face a Ducks team that was not prepared, and they got them, and they dominated them. And then against Ohio State, everyone says, okay, well, they could have won. Ohio State had a bunch of guys, a slew of guys that didn't play in the game right? because they were going to go pro. And they also, on top of that, had no motivation. You get an Ohio State, a Georgia, an Alabama team not playing for a national title and a bowl, they just don't bring it. So, to me, that was like the Super Bowl for this youth team. And I think they're really good. I like Rising as quarterback. Love I like their coaching staff. I love their special teams. But I like a team like Utah when they're hunting, not being hunted. So, they might be that team get, that gets knocked off by, you know, one of those teams, you know, like in Oregon State. They lost to Oregon State last year. Yeah. So Oregon State matches up well with them. Uh, I, the total's at nine. I think it's going to be right there. But a plus 230, I like uh, I like the USC much better. Sure. All right. Next up is Oregon. They get one of the, the bigger quarterbacks in the transfer market and Bo Nix from Auburn. They are at plus 250. Right now, your thoughts on the Oregon Ducks? Well, <laughs> I, I think he's going to play well. He um, he doesn't have to face the big boys. Doesn't have to, and, and and even some of the games, 
he was close. He just had that that throw where he was just off. He makes that one play, and it was the difference between winning or losing in a game. So not having to play the talent level that he played, and I think from all those years, like Penn State last year, they were really close in that game. I think it's going to help him and uh, going to have a little more of a running game facing, like I said, much weaker defenses. And they also um, – they, they, they've got a good defense, and they returned seven starters there. So um, I think their line play is going to be strong on offense and also the defensive line. they got some really good transfers. I think they're under the radar. Uh, I, I like the Oregon Ducks. I think they're something to look at at plus 250 and also over eight and a half wins. Yeah, so you like the over? Uh, I like let's the over eight and a half. half. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Next up after Oregon is the other team in LA, UCLA. They won't be in the Pac-12 for much longer, but right now listed at plus uh, twelve hundred. The whole key is: do they stay healthy? I mean, yes. when they have uh, their quarterback and also Sharp and other running back are healthy, they're really good. But Chip Kelly just pays no attention to defense. I mean. <laughs> You look at it over and over again. Knows offense, and it's always switching coordinators. They give up um, just a ton of passing yards here, and just I just if if the game comes down to the line and the other team has the ball in the twenty yard line, two and a half minutes to go to the game, they're going to lose the game. So um, maybe it's his, his attention to detail. Special teams, I don't like. I think their special teams is. It's cost them through the years, and um, you get me a, a coach who's just focused on offense. I'm not going to back him here. Um, I, I don't like UCLA at all, even at 12, 12 to 1. Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I, I don't think UCLA is very good. And the fact that their win total is at 8.5, I just I just don't see how they could possibly win nine games. No. Well, they, they, they do get to play Bowling Green, <laughs> Alabama State, and South Alabama. So they'll be 3-0 and also Colorado at that. So there's going to be a lot of – I think they're going to be sitting at, at, at 4-0, and then they're going to go probably to Washington, play Washington, and get spanked. So, um, yeah, they'll they'll start off big. Just wait for the bubble to burst. Is Washington a sneaky team in all this, plus 1,400, uh, looking at their chances to, to win the Pac-12? You like Washington at all? Kalen Bear is a good coach. I mean, if you watch Fresno State last year – that's a sound team, and his play calling, Colts plays, is really good. They use all their their complementary players. He'll he'll rotate running backs in. He'll use tight ends. He, he uses some formations that teams, you know, he'll catch uh, teams that are slanting the wrong way. He'll pick up some things uh, in film study. So this is a team that fell apart. I mean, last couple of years. So I think him coming in. Uh, got a nice transfer quarterback here, and, and Michael Penix did a great job a couple years ago at Indiana. Did not look great in the spring, but um, just didn't look comfortable. I think uh, a few more practices, uh, he should do the job, but they have a really good offensive line. Uh, they returned four out of five starting offensive linemen. Uh, I think Washington football is all about controlling the line and playing defense and home field advantage. and. Uh, I think things are going to change at the University of Washington. You're looking for an outright sleeper at 14 to 1. That's the team. And I also like them over seven and a half wins. When you look at a quarterback like Penix, 
I believe he's had a hard time staying healthy. How do you incorporate that information when you're making bets like these? Well, they, they, they do have a backup. They had a kid that played last year. And, you know, when you've got someone like Dylan Morris, you know, it gives you a little bit of a lifeline. Not that he's great, but, um, you know, they just had no confidence in, in their in their passing game at all. I, I, I didn't like the fact – I didn't like their – their whole scheme at all. Um, they would almost never throw on first down. You got to throw on first down. Sometimes you got to use play action on first down. And I think you'll see more of it with the Baron. They were not throwing to the running backs, you know, they, their running backs used to do everything. And I think you're going to see more of that incorporated in their offense. All right. And then Washington listed at seven and a half wins right now. Sounds like you, sounds like you like the over here. I like the over. Yeah. I think, uh, I think they're going to get back to Washington football. They got away from it. Um, you know, the history of, of Washington is, is you know, playing really good defense yeah. and running the football. Um, they're not, you know, there's been times, you know, going way back to, you know, Warren Moon where they threw the football. Uh, but even when guys like you, Millen, were there, uh, it was built on running the football with, with Napoleon Coffin. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what got them to the, to the playoff. Several years ago, feels yep. like a very long time ago, but they yep. have been a playoff team. Not a lot of teams can can say that. After Washington, there's a massive drop off when looking at the odds. Oregon State plus thirty three hundred, Washington State at plus thirty three hundred, Arizona State and Cal and Stanford all at plus five thousand, Colorado at fifteen thousand, and poor Arizona at plus twenty five thousand. If you had to put some money down on any of these schools just for the heck of it. Who are you taking? I can't find a team. <laughs> it's it's they the, the talent level drop off after Washington to Oregon State yeah. is monumental. So I can't see that happening. I mean, you're better off, you know, uh, finding someone who needs the money. Um, tip your Uber Uber driver, or, or, or when you're ordering your food, you know, into the house, give them a little extra money. You know, whereas the Big 12, anything, like I said, it's going to be wide open. Anything can happen. Those middle teams, the, the Kansas State's got a chance. I just don't see it this year. I will say this, though. Yeah. Arizona, if you want a team that's going to recruit and they're recruiting, I like Arizona. So you want a, a, a team that's going to go over the win total of, of all those, you know, afterthoughts and, and also runs. Uh, Arizona sitting at three. Three wins. I think they're going to win four or five games. So okay. just because they can beat the Oregon States, the Washington States, Arizona States, Cal and, and Stanford. So of all the plays that we've discussed about the Pac-12 today, if you had to pick two or three that are your favorite plays going into the season, what are those? I think USC. I think USC's back, number one. And if you want a long shot, uh, take Washington. I like the over seven and a half wins best. And if you want to send my long shot, take them at plus fourteen hundred. Okay, you like USC for I guess the the over as well as winning the conference. Not as much as the conference, you know. They they might win it. You know, they could they could lose an out of conference game and and you know still win nine games and and win the conference. But um, I, I like them to win the conference a little bit better than I do the win total. I half expected you to put uh, that Arizona uh, at, at over three in there you're not quite putting that with with washington no not quite okay. i mean the, the talent level isn't there yet but they recruited 
and yeah. they're a team, you know, we're, the show is locked on bets. And a lot of times teams start off poorly and it might take Arizona a little bit of time. I'm probably going to watch this team and maybe after three, four games, they might be that team that gels and, and knocks off some teams. So, you know, you get, they're going to play some young players and, you know, that coaching staff, he hired guys that can recruit. And if you recruit and you have the better talent, you're going to win 90% of the games. And who knows, by midseason, Arizona might be better than three or four other teams. Worst team, the team that's going down, there'll be a coaching change, Colorado. I mean, they had a mass exodus. Just a couple of years ago, they were competitive. They're not even competitive anymore. Right, right. Lee Sterling, you can hear him and your boy Q every single day on Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all the betting advice you need across all sports. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the College Football Preview 2022 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Coming up on Monday, it's time to introduce you to the players you need to keep an eye on throughout the college football season. Often a quarterback award, but could linebacker Will Anderson of Alabama contend for the Heisman? And which unsung quarterback could be the surprise of the NFL draft? Only one show has all of this and more, so be sure to join us next week. Once again, I'm Zach Blackerby, and until next time, thank you to our friends at Odyssey. And thanks to you for watching or listening. Find the Ultimate College Preview 2022 on your favorite podcast provider to make sure you never miss an episode. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.